So we met, what, three, uh, three years ago, July, when you were just about to take this job. Yep. Well, you were in the job, but you weren't ready or weren't yet the uh, CEO, the big guy. And I was listening to your investors. Uh, when you say I wasn't ready, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> you weren't ready to be called CEO. How about that? Um, <laughs> but I was listening to your recent Investors Day, and I, I got to say, I sensed Still not ready. a nostalgic tone. No, you sounded very nostalgic talking about the past three years, uh, you know, as, as CEO of Boston Scientific. And, you know, I just, I'm just wondering, like, personally, what has this experience been like for you? You're going to make me cry. Is that the goal? I'm, I'm damn right I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, What's the experience like? I, I love it. I, I, uh, you know, when I joined uh, uh, almost three and a half years ago or so, it was a tough decision because I left a great company. Uh, but I was very excited about the opportunity here, and, and to this day, I can say I, I just love what I do. Um, as I mentioned before, we all get to impact patients, and um, it's, a, it's a wonderful industry. And I work with a fantastic team here, and I just I, I, there's nothing I'd rather do than work for Boston Scientific and help uh, drive innovation and work with this team. So I, I'm hoping here for a long time. So I'm hoping this isn't the, like the last interview. <laughs> I think you will be, judging by your performance, that you'll be here for a long time. But um, So you had this mandate, return the company to growth, it seems like. Um, but, you know, I want to know when you set those goals, what were, the, what were the, some of the ways you said, I'm going to achieve those goals, and have you met them, in your opinion? Uh, well, we, we definitely delivered on uh, the, the commitments we made uh, uh, externally, and uh, we also had an investor day recently. We gave longer-term commitments that were pretty uh, bold, and we talked about being a growing faster than our comp competition and growing a strong mid-single digit and driving operating margin improvement and driving double-digit EPS. So that's all good. But I would say, you know, three years ago uh, when I was here, um, we talk about a turnaround. Yes, we did turn around the performance, but really what we did is unlocked uh, the potential uh, and the capabilities of the team because uh, there's 25,000 employees here. Mm -hmm. And we just we did some, st some structural things. Uh, we've, we uh, enabled the organization uh, to move a little bit faster uh, by expanding um, the number of reports and the speed of the company. Uh, we did a lot of simple things on just uh, reinvigorating uh, what it means to work here. We established uh, uh, values for the company, and, and I can talk about that all night long here. But uh, to me, most, most employees come, sure, you want to make money, but most employees want to feel great about the company they work for, proud of the company, uh, proud when they're walk talking about the company with their family and friends, and they want to have a career, and they want to feel really good about it. And so a lot of what we did at, uh, uh, to turn around the company, a lot of portfolio things we can talk about, most of it was the culture of the company. Mm. How do we hire great leaders? How do we enable greater speed in the company, faster decision-making, uh, more empowerment, uh, more pride in the company, and uh, a winning spirit? So most of what, uh, the biggest element of the turnaround was, the, I think, the cultural impact 
and the uh, and really kind of unleashing the talent in the company that's always been there. It just went through some uh, some dark days for a few years, but it's always there. It's just kind of more bringing that out again. Yeah, I mean, how much of your year that you spent learning the company, uh, you know, how much of that did you discover during that? But the year, yeah, so I was in uh, detention for a year. Uh, I wasn't able to take the job because I wasn't ready, apparently. (laughs) 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 Then I got my badge. I was ready to go. But uh, I learned a lot. It was actually a, a very unusual circumstance to be guaranteed the job, but technically not having the job. Yeah. Um, but I worked with Hank Cushman, who was terrific. And the one year was terrific because I was, uh, I was able to focus just on our businesses and learn our portfolio and learn our people and learn our talent and our capabilities. I didn't have to work with investors, analysts, uh, lots of those things that, are, that take up a lot of time. Yeah. So I was just able to focus purely on the talent of the company. And uh, when, you, when you can dig in that way and put your time there, it was a big advantage. I learned the businesses, I learned our people, and, uh, and really what the biggest focus areas I had as a, as, a, as a new CEO when I started. So that nostalgia I sensed was nostalgic, nostalgia for your old job, not this nah, new one, right? Now I love my new job. <laughs> you love dealing with investors and all that? There's, there's not, it's actually it's not that big a deal to yeah. me. It really isn't because uh, uh, I, I, really, I, I know the business really well. And um, it's, it's, it's really just telling the Boston Scientific story to investors. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to tell it too frequently. But right. uh, I actually I don't mind that part of it. Sometimes you've got to email like eight times a day. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's safe to say you've met, you've met the objectives in the first three years that you set for yourself. Yeah, we have. We've, uh, a few years ago, we hadn't grown for about four years in a row. And we've grown, I don't know how many quarters in a row now, um, eight, eight or nine or so. Um, and so we, and we gave uh, pretty strong guidance for 2015 and, and uh, 16, 17, and 18. Mm-hmm. So the, the company is growing. And really what we focused on, like a lot of you do, um, we focused first of all on our talent. And we, ma- we made some uh, uh, changes to the senior leadership team, uh, brought in great local leaders for the emerging markets and in Asia and in Europe. Um, uh, we sped up the operating processes of the company. Uh, we reduced down a lot of the bureaucracy in terms of the amount of reporting and decision-making and things that had to take place to improve decision-making. Uh, we spent a ton of time in the pipeline. We took some uh, bets that have worked out great in the pipeline and CRM with this SICD device, uh, with Watchmen, the only product that helps uh, patients, you may know, reduce the risk of stroke when they have AFib. We've got a great structural heart program that's really early on. So we've got a very exciting pipeline that we worked on. And so I spend most of my time uh, focused on the culture, the people, and the pipeline. And uh, so that's what we do. And uh, we, we're growing. We're investing a lot in emerging markets because we, we were a little bit late in some of those markets. Now we're doing very well. We're building a lot of capabilities there with right. market-appropriate products and training and uh, leveraging the capabilities across BSC. We reinvigorated our uh, BSC venture firm. And we made about uh, about 20 investments in uh, uh, smaller, really promising, exciting companies over the past two years. So, uh, so to answer your question, yeah, we have delivered on our, our commitments in terms of the turnaround, and now we're essentially raising the bar. Our third value is high performance, and so we're proud of the performance we have. But that's kind of yesterday's news, and the performance expectations we have now are much higher than they were three years ago. Right. 
Because I know you, I know you sort of said, well, the turnaround is complete, right? I mean, that's and yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't like to talk about it anymore because it's kind of old news. Right. Um, but I think it? it's such a good story. I mean, you probably want to keep banging that away for a while. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, pr- I'm really proud because so many employees, I, I uh, had the honor of the meeting. I, I can't remember her name. But she was a clinical employee for Boston Scientific and her 30-year uh, anniversary with the company. So I was able to give her a plaque, and I've never given somebody a 30-year uh, award before, mm-hmm. and so I'm proud of it. But I'm I'm I sincerely uh, more happy for the employees who have been here for a long time, and the company had always been great. And we went through a downturn, and we're really on a on a great run that will be sustainable. So I'm really happy for the employees who have been here for a long time, because they tell me that you know they they say that it's so great to be part of a company that's winning again, that's fast, that's innovating. Um, and that's what it's, that's what's most fun for me because I've, right. I've been here four years, so sure it feels good for me. But yeah. when you give somebody a thirty-year award, um, she gives you a big bear hug. That's much right. better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how about how about personal goals as, as CEO? Did you have any when you when you came in? And I mean, I know you've you've led divisions. You've also been CEO uh, of another company. But I mean, that probably never went as big as this. But I mean, did you have personal goals like I don't want to become this? Type of person. You want to be that guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah. So when I t- took the, I, I had a lot of goals. Uh, one is, I, not to this day, I still say this is the dream job for me, and I, uh, I really want to be here for quite a while. And um, my goals when I first started were really simple. They were to uh, return the company to growth, uh, restore what I call the winning spirit amongst our employee base. And uh, you know, develop a pipeline again where customers uh, can count on us and really need us. And and I think we, we've really established that. You know, the, the company's growing uh, nicely. We were six percent in the first quarter. We have guidance this year for about six percent again. Uh, there's a lot of margin improvement of the company, so we're delivering financially. And um, you know, so I, I would say yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the goals that we established, and uh, we're hitting. And you haven't become that guy. No, no, okay. I don't think so. <laughs> Winning spirit. This, this is all over this building. This, this mantra. Where, I mean, beyond the motivational phrase, what is it? What does it mean to you? As a, it's, it's got to be something more. I mean, it's on your conference room, right, right next to your office. Yeah. So when I first, uh, it's funny. A couple of quick stories. When I first, we were in Natick. Uh, we had a headquarters in Natick. And uh, the first day I showed up for work, I couldn't interview uh, at Boston because I was at a competitor. And so my first day I showed up at the job in Natick, I didn't have a badge, so I couldn't get through security. <laughs> so I had to call my admin, and she came down and picked me up. And I went to the Natick building, and it was a nice facility at one time, but it was essentially half uh, empty. And it was a bit outdated, and it didn't have uh, a vibrancy and, and kind of a speed of a, and a culture that you want. And so in my first board meeting, uh, I said, we want to make these changes in personnel, and we want to sell the corporate headquarters and move it. <laughs> that was the first board meeting. That went well. Uh, <laughs> and so, but, that, but I felt that because culturally that's a big deal because yeah. it, it was a place that uh, when you walked around it, it wasn't a team that was winning, and there wasn't uh, transparency, and there wasn't collaboration, and it was really old school. And so, thankfully, we got MathWorks to buy the property, and um, we built our, our small uh, about a third of the size. Our headquarters now is a third of the size that it used to be on this campus. Right. 
because before it was just much too large. And so, you know, that's, that's important. But back to the winning spirit, um, what I quickly saw in the, in the company is uh, an, an opportunity. It sounds uh, old school is to kind of reestablish what Boston Scientific means, means. So we worked together to create, you know, uh, essentially freshen up a mission statement. We created Advancing Science for Life. And we work with a team to create values, much like many small companies would do. We did it at Boston Scientific. And we talk about uh, uh, caring. We talk about meaningful innovation. We talk about high performance, globalization, diversity. And the team said we can only use five. I said, well, winning spirit is my favorite one, so I'm just going to throw in the winning spirit as number six. But we did that, and it, it sounds weird for a larger company like Boston Scientific, but the chance to recreate that in the very beginning with our employees and establish, no, you know, we are a special company, and we're going to make great things happen and help patients and yeah. win in the market and drive the heck out of our uh, stock performance as well for a long time and establish the values, what it means. Because we have seven businesses, and these values connect them together, and we talk about them a lot. And what I often say is there's only a, uh, maybe a smaller percentage of their employees who really care about the stock price. And most employees want to be part of a great company, uh, where they have engagement and they're proud of it. Uh, but back to the winning spirit. Uh, the winning spirit was important to me because the first few meetings I went to were very, very heavy in bureaucracy. You know, we would do a business review and the binders were two feet thick, and I've got a lot of ADD. I couldn't get through it. It was like, like four pages of my max, and the things were just slow. And so we added the winning spirit, and it's a, it's a phrase I learned from Jeff Immelt years ago at GE. And what it really means to me is we want employees uh, who are leaders, uh, who are not managers, whether you're in supply chain, quality, R&D, regulatory, clinical, uh, who see opportunities everywhere, uh, who aren't afraid to take chances, uh, who are willing to make tough decisions, uh, and are, are, are comfortable with being empowered. And so I think there's a few companies that are bigger than ours, uh, but I think we can be the fastest moving company in that device and we push that winning spirit attitude, and some folks aren't comfortable with uh, making decisions quickly and not having the two-foot binder. Right. And so we use that winning spirit as a way to see opportunities and have courage to make decisions and move faster as a company. So I think, I think speed wins, not size wins. And I think uh, we're starting to generate that momentum. So that, that, that came from Jeff Immelt, that, that phrase? Well, not that whole thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> The winning spirit. You didn't coin that. Did, did, did. No, I actually okay. stole it. <laughs> it's worked for you, though. I love it. I like it. Though. Yeah. And you live that in your personal life as well? Yeah, I, I, I came in uh, 95th and a 5K in our town out of about 110 people. <laughs> <laughs> but in my mind, I was fast. <laughs> No, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm a, uh, like, like many of you in this business, it changes a lot. I'm very competitive, and I want so much uh, for our company to be uniquely good. And that's what motivates me, and I'm very restless about the performance of our company, and I care about our employees. So I, I guess I live it pretty well. So, I mean, let's switch a little bit to the, the market. I mean, you spent a considerable amount of time in your career dealing with what I would call the interaction between hospitals and suppliers. I guess in particular I'm referring to uh, your time running the Global Health Care Exchange. Mm. And recently you said we're not going to pretend to be in the, a solutions company. But clearly the industry is moving towards this service model. I mean, we're seeing it uh, from a lot of 
from a lot of your competitors, frankly. And you, you know, we saw uh, that big Philips deal recently this week, where they're moving beyond just selling imaging equipment, but there's services bundled in there. And what what's driving this push towards the more service model? And I mean, I got the sense that you don't. You didn't quite. Yeah, you're reading into things too much. Man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, what am I reading? <laughs> no, I, the reason I said it is uh, I, I just want to be clear with our, our employees and our team that uh, we are a medical device company, and we make uh, disruptive innovation to help patients, and that's going to drive uh, a significant portion of our revenue and income forever. Uh, but regarding the solutions and services, I worked for GE when I first came out of uh, school, and the company is very advanced with, uh, you know, uh, servicing competitors' equipment, from financing equipment to outsourcing radiology labs, providing lean optimization. So I'm very familiar with it, um, and at, uh, also, you know, at J&J. And so at Boston Scientific, uh, we're a medical device company, but many of our businesses, before solutions became more of the buzzword, have been very active in providing services and solutions within their business units. And we do have a, a, a capability at Boston Scientific called Advantix. And so we do offer a number of solutions. We don't maybe market it as heavily as some companies do, uh, but our solutions are really pointed at uh, the businesses. And so in our, in our urology business, whether you're talking about uh, remote stent trackers, because uh, believe it or not, physicians forget to pull urethra stents out, uh, so you actually can track them remotely, uh, to, uh, uh, to all kinds of things in our heart failure, our CRM business. We do a lot with heart failure analytics uh, with our remote monitoring uh, capabilities. We've done uh, two or three recent joint ventures uh, to provide uh, cardiovascular analytics to customers. We have heart failure projects going on at that same Karolinska Hospital uh, that uh, the Phillips press releases. So we've done a, a we have a number of solutions within our Advantix portfolio, uh, but they're tied towards uh, kind of logical services or productivity benefits that are tied to our products. So they're typically focused on cardiovascular for our IC business and our PI business. And whether it be lean optimization, uh, billing practices that we assist with, uh, we help our patients with watchmen, uh, help develop their stroke programs. So we, we enable these, but we don't have a vision of outsourcing. We don't have a vision of buying hospitals or buying cath labs or outsourcing cath labs. Uh, we don't think most customers want that. And so we focus on other services that make sense for our portfolio. Is that because you disagree with that vision, or you just think it doesn't make sense for your business model? I, it's not what we, it's not where we want to invest. You know, it's all about choice making and where you where you invest your capital, and uh, that that's not wouldn't be our priority. Right. I mean, do you think a medical device company has the expertise necessary to to run a hospital or run a whole? I don't, I don't know why you would want to. I mean, yeah. uh, you read the newspaper today, you know, the hospitals are consolidating like crazy. Uh, you see what's going on in the insurance uh, business. All the, the payers can potentially consolidating from five to three. Hospitals are doing it uh, like crazy. So to be, to be a supplier, to own a hospital at scale, it would be, be a completely different business than we're in. So it's not... Uh, we're focused on so much on, a, on our portfolio innovation and growing in the emerging markets and investing in smart services that our customers want, not so much on uh, focus on outsourcing mm-hmm. big pieces of their hospital. So, but that, that model there, is, is that going to, in your opinion, change 
the business model at all of, of the medical device industry long term? Should it be successful? Well, I don't think it'll be successful. That's why we're not. That's right. why we're not doing it. I, I think. Um, I think it's, it's there's a there will be a few customers that want that. I, w- I worked for another company they outsourced radiology labs, and it wasn't something that most cardiovascular uh, or GI or whatever your case is uh, are, are large ge- profit generations generates for hospitals. And uh, I think it's a very small subset of hospitals who are interested in, in outsourcing that capability to another manufacturer, be it a diagnostic imaging company or a med device company or healthcare IT company. I think it's a very small set of customers. Mm-hmm. And you, you came from the sales and marketing side, so clearly you still see a very big need for sales reps being in the in the cases and things like that? Or? Uh, it depends. Uh, so I'm a very big believer in sales reps for sure, but all of our businesses are different. So in many, many cases in interventional cardiology, the sales reps oftentimes aren't in the case unless it's a complex total occlusion or something like that. Our GI reps are oftentimes in the case, and they're critical. Our CRM reps are, are critical to the case. Uh, sometimes the urology reps aren't required. So it really depends on the business. Um, you know, we do lots of things with commercial innovation, with, uh, you know, leveraging our, our corporate sales group, with clinical sales reps, um, with remote sales reps using um, kind of back-to-services. How, how do we do um, uh, patient checks with CRM devices remotely? Um, and so our sales reps never have to get up at 2 in the morning to drive to a patient or to an ER. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, our, our, our commercial capabilities are critical, um, but each business is kind of different in terms of how intensive it is with a physician. Sure. Let's go over to M&A. Um, this is, it's been a fun year, at least from our perspective, and there's so much activity. Uh, but You're excited about our AMS deal? <laughs> I was. That's awesome. It's very exciting. Uh, we're excited about all the deals that are going on. Um, but for so we're here in Boston Scientific. But I mean, you know, 11 years ago, the guidance deal was the big, you know, the mega merger, and it seemed like for years that kind of defined the market that of mega mergers. And and it seemed like the industry was, you know, everyone in, would say, oh, we want to be opportunistic, but we don't want to do any mega deals. Blah blah blah. But then the past couple of years, I mean, we're seeing Synthes, J and J, Zimmer Biomet, Carefusion BD, and then that Medtronic Cavidian deal, and so on, which was a pretty big deal. Um, so what? I mean, what's changed? Why do you think that there's a push now for the mega deal again? Uh, well, I think there's a. a we, we call it uh, you know category leadership at Boston Scientific because uh, we're number one or two in six of our seven businesses uh, and hope to be uh, more so in, in CRM as we continue to improve our portfolio there. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. And um, you know, a lot of the deals that you talked about, um, I, I won't comment each one of them, either they're looking for uh, you know, better capital efficiency uh, to deploy cash. Um, you know, the, the inversion craze was quite uh, big for a while. So that's rationale for some, a big rationale for, for many things that you read about in the paper that have slowed down. Um, others that, you know, Synthes and, I'm sorry, uh, Zimmer and, and uh, Biomet, clearly there's a lot of cost synergies there and the ability in a, in a tough market uh, to drive uh, more cost synergies and, and higher market share and more leverage with the customer with their, or their hip and knee business. So 
all of these, they all, they all have their own strategic rationale, and they're all led by very smart people. Um, they all have uh, cost synergies, and there's good strategic rationale behind them. And so that's the reason, uh, not the same scale as that, but we acquired, uh, we haven't closed yet, AMS Urology. Right. And so it's about a billion six deal, and we did it to be uh, the, the category leader uh, across five different urology segments. So I think m many of these deals are happening because the hospitals are consolidating. Uh, they want to work with fewer vendors. Uh, they're reducing the number of suppliers, and, hot, and suppliers like us will want to grow, and we're looking for uh, opportunities to improve our margins through cost synergies, and that's what a lot of these transactions have done. So they all, uh, you know, they all make a lot of sense. And um, they're, they're good moves, and uh, we're really pleased with our position as well. Right, yeah, clearly each deal makes sense on its own. I guess I'm looking at a broader perspective if, if you know, how does, this, how does this change the industry's outlook uh, from your perspective? I mean, if you have more bigger companies, does it, does it change the dynamic at all for not just Boston Scientific, but, say, for the smaller companies, the, the more innovative companies that are trying to get into the hospital systems? Uh, I don't think in a, in a big way. I think there's uh, potentially fewer buyers um, uh, for maybe some small companies who are looking for exits that way. Because just with the, the nature of those consolidations that you talked about, you went from 10 large buyers to five bigger buyers. Yeah. So there's maybe a fewer number of companies uh, that might be able to acquire a product if that's the destination of a, what a company wants to do. Um, Quite frankly, it's a bit helpful for us because we see maybe a little less competition in terms of uh, some of the venture uh, activity that we have because there's maybe a fewer fewer number of suppliers again in that area. But I think it, for the uh, for the companies that are younger in the development, it's all about you know Abiomed here has had a big grand opening for a, a new facility that they have. It's all about innovation and solving on that patient needs. And when small companies or large companies do that, they'll get rewarded for it. So I don't think mm -hmm. most small companies, if they have that really care about a BSC buying AMS or Medtronic buying Covidian. So the key to smaller companies is having terrific innovation that yeah. uh, that's going to be in demand. I don't think the number of players changes that a whole lot. The AMS deal was your first billion-dollar deal, right? It's in yep. years, right? Yep. Was it the first in 11 years since the guide? It's the largest deal we've done since guide. Okay. Yeah. That must have been fun. Yeah, we have to close it still. So it's still we're kind of still, you know, we're still waiting for it. But it, it, it's it's really great because it's um, our urology business was about 600 million uh, focused mainly on stone, and uh, they add about four 450 million dollars of sales in four different segments within urology. And so what's powerful about that is um, if you're a urology group of 20 doctors and you're and four of you do BPH, four of you a couple do. Uh, ED, some do stone, some do urinary incontinence. Uh, we have a number one position across all those categories. How does a company catch your eye in terms of makes you think, hey, that's that's a company we'd like to uh, acquire or invest in? Certainly they make their way up through the pipeline, but do you have any edicts that you give to your people about find me this type of company? Is it, uh, well, we, I mean, you don't have to go into specific categories, obviously, and you won't, but is there a uh, footprint or a, uh, well, a profile. The, yeah, so we always, like most people, we always look for the strategic fit first. Mm -hmm. um, you know, bringing this on, will it uh, bring synergies on, on the uh, revenue side or category to help our other products? So are there revenue synergies or a halo by bringing it in? And obviously, can we the financials work? 
Uh, but just for our situation, what we've done, and we were very aggressive early uh, with lots of very many, a number of early stage companies, uh, Lotus um, Taver Valve program that we have, which is very expensive to bring through, a Watchman product uh, for atrial appendage, hypertension, deep brain stimulation. So we had a, maybe 10 different very, very early capabilities. So because we had all that, we focused more on more mature companies the last couple of years. We acquired Bayer's uh, business in PI, mm-hmm. Bard's business in EP, and the AMS division, which are more established, larger uh, plays. And we, we brought that pipeline through to we're now starting to reap the benefits of that. And then over the past last year, we've been uh, pretty aggressive in early stage companies uh, because we want to ensure that we have a disruptive pipeline uh, beyond uh, kind of 17, 18, 19, which is starting to come through fruition now. So we've been more aggressive in some early stage companies that you'll hear about. Mm-hmm. And with your, now you said a fast speed is, is your advantage. Not me, but well, not you personally, <laughs> but Boston Scientific. I mean, you you have to look at that some of your competitors and see how large they're getting. Do you? I mean, do you feel like? Do you ever feel like, well, maybe we can't stay the same size and compete, or, or are you? Well, we definitely can't stay the same size and compete. We wouldn't be growing, mm-hmm. and that wouldn't be very competitive. So we we really are pleased with the uh, trajectory of the company. Uh, we laid out again uh, for for a large company uh, uh, solid mid single digit growth that we've d- been delivering on, and we have an opportunity that's a little bit unique for us. Our margins are under some of our peers. So we've been improving our margins faster, uh, quite frankly, because they're less than many of our peers. And as a result of that, we're delivering uh, more differentiated EPS, and we think we can do that for quite a while. And while growing the top line, so we'll continue to look at uh, acquisitions that make sense for us. Uh, but we don't see why uh, just getting larger in scale changes that. So from an investor standpoint, uh, they want value creation and earnings per share growth. And the formula that we have to drive earnings per share growth we think is uniquely compelling uh, because we're growing the top line well and we have more room for margin improvement than our peers do. Mm-hmm. So when we deliver that, we drop more EPS. And if we, we, we have that as a formula, we're delivering against it, and we kind of unleash a faster company uh, that's focused globally. Uh, we think that's a unique recipe. So, one of the things—am I boring the hell out of them? No. <laughs> one of the things that that I and the, this side said, I did see a few <laughs> oh, this guy. <laughs> Can we open the bar up? They'll be happy. Sure. <laughs> so this will be fun for you. Um, well, one of the things that I saw that you you, you, you greatly encourage companies to imagine if. Hmm? And I want to play that game with you for a couple of questions here. Does the team know what it is? <laughs> do you, that, so, do you, know, you explain what it is? Oh, well, uh, sure. You encourage employees to take a broad... So I'll explain it. No, well, I was talking about that. That was good. No, you were doing really well. well. This is your show. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> I'm not getting the bus. You're, you're, doing, you're doing well, man. <laughs> no, so what we I didn't do this. Our team did. And that's a great example of the winning spirit. Our team came up with this Imagine If program. And it sounds small, but it's a, it's a big cultural thing. And so innovation is just not coming from your, from your marketing team or your R&D team or uh, your BD team. So we want everybody at the company. This is a dream, but we know it's not there yet. It's a journey to get there. 
uh, to think about innovation, whether you're uh, an attorney, whether you're in the supply chain, in our distribution warehouse, clinical sales rep. And so we basically have a pot of money uh, that we fund at corporate, and we have the Imagine If Fund. And so employees are encouraged to create uh, new ideas focused on innovation to improve a process, a product, or a customer experience. And we, last year we had, I don't know, hundreds of uh, these ideas. So it gets employees really engaged in the growth of the company. Right. So you can be in audit and say, you know, how am I impacting innovation? Well, maybe I can drive down our operating plan cycle to two weeks from, from two months. And so then we invest in those ideas and fund them and recognize our employees. Okay, so we're going to play that. We're going to play that game. So imagine if you could change one thing about the healthcare system unilaterally. Just the med device tax. That's easy. Oh, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> if you could change, imagine if you could change one thing about the med tech industry in general, what would it be? Uh, well, I can't use the med device tax no, again. Can't use the <laughs> I would say that it is frustrating the regulatory. Uh, the FDA is making uh, definitely improved strides for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, the, with the ability to drive uh, new innovative products, you're seeing uh, mitral, early mitral valve replacement products, clinical trials being done now in the U.S., which is really encouraging. So you're seeing uh, some more ideas of breakthrough products being uh, hopefully done in, in U.S. soil. Um, and so the cycle times for the uh, F, for the 510K uh, have been approved, and they're adding more resources. So the team in Washington deserves credit for that, uh, but it's still still frustrating. And so the one thing I like to change there is improving the. You know, I'll take an example. We have a, our Watchman device. Uh, it, it just recently was approved in the U.S. It helps the patients reduce stroke. If you have AFib, it's, we're the only one that has it. And we have a second-generation product that will be CE-marked uh, this year. And our second generation won't come to the U.S. for like four years. And it's a device that's safer. Um, it's retrievable. It's, you know, it's, it's a beautiful device. And it just it kind of it, it's frustrating that it's going to take four more years to bring that product to market. So I'd love to see us continue to improve uh, the productivity of the uh, speed of approvals. Okay. Imagine if you could change one thing about your competitors. What would it be? About uh, my competitors, uh, the, you know, the, in a weird way, the very good competition. Uh, and this, I guess I'm maybe being too much of an Irish optimist. Sometimes having great competitors uh, just brings out the best. It, it gives you that edge that you need, and it motivates your employees. And it's even though it's it's tough, it's it's kind of fun, and so. It's clearly anybody would like to have fewer competitors, and, and many of the markets that we move into have, are less competitive than others. Uh, but good competitors, and we have many good competitors, and, and uh, most all of them have very ethical, great standards, and they make it they make it better. So imagine if many years from now you leave this job, and uh, you ride off into the sunset. What what do you hope they say about you and your tenure here? <laughs> That he wasn't a. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't swear. I was going to. I didn't want to drop the bomb. Oh come on! No, watch him. Well, we saw. Hopefully, that he said they said that um, uh, he really cared about the company. Uh, the company's been. Uh, they're they're proud of what the company represents. That we are a uh, irre- irreplaceable. Uh, leading uh, company to our customers because of the innovation that we've delivered and the unique innovation that only BSC delivers to customers. And our shareholders would say that it's, uh, it's, 
it's the highest performing uh, med tech company over a 10 year period. I think you are a CEO, my friend. Oh, what? <laughs> Thank you so much. What All a right. great job you've done over the past three years. Thank you for hosting us. Thank you.